Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Underswell podcast radio show. I'm Derek Sabori. I'm your host, diving in today with some sustainability topics in the news relating to brands, things that you can relate to as a consumer, as a purchaser, as a participant in the economy, and somebody who is interested in sustainability, interested in learning more and um, enhancing your journey. A lot of sustainability stories and concepts out there. You might be having trouble keeping track of them all because uh, perhaps you are not a sustainability professional and that is okay. That does not mean that you cannot participate in the sustainability uh, process. It takes all of us. We're all a part of this. So my job here is to bring the news that is in my computer on my desktop um, to your ears so that you can be up to speed, have some things to talk about, and be a part of the conversation and part of the journey and enhance your understanding and knowledge of the concepts that are out there. So let's dive in and have a look at what's in the news this week. Um, today is Thursday, August 10th, 2017. A couple things going on. Um, article on 3BL Media. A um, Actually, this comes from um, Triple Pundit. But this is how um, WWF stops deforestation worldwide with corporate engagement. So plenty of time so far on the show. We've talked about deforestation, responsible forestry practices, why it's important. But this press release says, according to World Wildlife Fund, which is WWF, up to 58,000 square miles of forest is lost annually. That's the equivalent of 48 football fields per minute. Take a minute to visualize that. The result of this deforestation is a threat to the estimated 1.6 billion people who rely on forests for their way of life, as well as some of the most endangered plants and animals on the planet. The factors behind deforestation are complicated, it says, and the tactics necessary to halt it vary by location to location. But for over 25 years, one of WWF's success stories has been the Global Forest and Trade Network. This is the GFTN which the NGO says connects over 200 companies, um, communities and government agencies in over 30 countries. This collaboration has a long history of results which are necessary as some estimates suggest the amount of wood culled from forests annually may need to triple by mid-century. And I'm not sure we have, uh, we have enough to, uh, to provide for us what we need. So this says, by bringing various stakeholders together, WWF insists that the uh, GFTN has ensured millions of acres of forests have become certified as sustainably managed while foresting, well, I'm sorry, while fostering a market for pulp and paper that provide economic benefits for the companies and people that rely on them. So this is good because um, it lists some companies. It has a link here that takes you to the GFTN site specific site on the wwf website and i'll share with you a couple companies that are participating um i did like though they say this um that this is a classic chicken and the egg problem acknowledged um saint pierre saint pierre who is uh, i'll have to come back and tell you who saint pierre is but it says do we need to work more in order to build a strong certified supply of wood which mean which would mean getting more sawmills certified, or do we begin by working at the consumer and retail levels? We need to know which one will be at the tipping point where we can increase certification and therefore the supply of wood across the supply chain. So um, WWF 
um, this person says, does a great job of fostering a place where companies can come together at a GT, GFTN forum and both speak freely while sharing ideas. So efforts such as these led by WWF appear to make a difference. While recent deforestation trends in some nations like Brazil are worrisome, forest conservation efforts are paying off. In its recent report on its sustainable development goals, which are SDGs, the United Nations concluded that the rate of forest loss worldwide has been on the decline, with sustainable forestry efforts one reason for this reversal. So this is why it's important when you're purchasing wood products, look for support companies that you know, for example, are part of this um, this GFTN, um, and I will list a couple of those that I found here. Um, IKEA being one of the bigger ones, IKEA Industries in Sweden, they're on the list here. I also saw Domtar, which is a paper company. Um, Hewlett Packard is on here. A lot of different suppliers of forestry products. Um, they've got a list here, sort of nine different pages. Marks and Spencer Group out of the UK, a retailer, a really big retailer. Let's see, Officeworks is good if you're getting your paper from Officeworks. So uh, McDonald's Corporation, how about that? So this is the gftn.panda.org website. Have a look, learn more, but look for certifications like this, stamps. Look for the FSC certification logo on your paper products or your wood products that you buy. That helps you ensure that you have bought or are supporting responsible forestry practices. Sticking to this deforestation topic, um, on GreenBiz, GreenBiz.com, this is by Joel um, uh, McCower. Two steps forward. Apple's sustainability, sustainable forestry strategy branches out. It says when it comes to environmentally responsible packaging, Apple is not feeling boxed in. The tech giant had just announced the latest expansion of its sustainable forestry um, strategy, aimed at protecting or creating enough responsibly managed forests to offset its packaging footprint. Last week, it said that the Forest Stewardship Council, that's FSC that I mentioned, had certified 320,000 acres of working forest that the company supports in China, enough to cover all of its pack product packaging. Let's stop here and talk about this because what they're doing is the, the key word here is offsetting. So they know that they have an impact by using paper products and um, they're able to calculate that when you do a, an environmental report. You can quantify those results and do something so you have a negative, you have a draw from um, natural resources. So they're doing something to counter that and by investing, it looks like, in these responsible forestry practices. It says in 2015, the company committed to protect responsibly managed working forests and announced a five-year partnership with World Wildlife Fund. That's the WWF that we just spoke about. This was to transition up to 1 million acres of forest across southern provinces of China into responsible management for, by 2020. I like this because I think it's important to give back to the places where you're actually doing business. Um, it's it's nice to offset things and um, you know account for your impacts, but I also think it's nice to directly go back and give back or replenish in the areas where you've done your business. So I think this is a good move by Apple. Two thirds of the newly certified forest is owned and managed by Mayuan Forestry, a private company in central China's Hunan province. Says the rest is owned and managed by state-owned um, Kinlian Forest Company in southwest China's Guangxi Zheng region. I don't know if I said that right, but I gave it a good shot. 
The land includes semi-natural forest and plant and forest plantations. They said, uh, we found that the Chinese were willing to be wonderful partners, both on the private and public sector side, because they have a real appreciation for the forest resource. Lisa Jackson, VP of Environment Policy and Social Initiatives, told me, we're finding that China is very fertile soil to grow green programs. It goes on to say that given the growing interest in sustainable forestry by companies seeking to reduce their supply chains, um, uh, Joel asked that Jackson reflect on what Apple learned working in China. And she said, one of the learning lessons is to work with folks on the ground with real experience in China. WWF is just that. But part of the reason WWF is so respected in China is that they are local. They are hiring local Chinese foresters and experts and water managers. They work with landowners and again, one of the entities is even a state government entity. And they're showing that you can have economic growth and you can harvest this land and still make money, which is very important still in a developing country economy like China. Parts of China are still very much in a development situation, so you can make money, but you can also preserve the natural environment and all the biodiversity that goes along with it. Biodiversity, I'm sure as you know, is the multiple array of life forms in a region that make it the wonderful world that it is and, and allows it to thrive. So that's insects, plants, animals, it's weather, soil, you name it, water, all of it together, working together in a beautiful system. Says Apple also released the latest in its animated video series, part of an innovative and decidedly un-Apple communication strategy, highlighting its forestry strategy. Um, so you can check it out. It says, can an apple grow a forest? They released this on Earth Day 2017. There were five videos that they sent, each about a minute long. It focused on zero waste factories, solar farms in China, demanufacturing iPhones, which was cool. I saw that one where they're, you know, when you send them back, they can take them back and recover those materials that are in there. Um, they did it with a robot called the Liam Robot. The company's new Apple Park headquarters and how the company manufactures human sweat in order to test the impact of wearing technology on human health. So Apple, um, as big as they are, and um, just kind of whatever your opinion is of them, I think is doing some, some good things and they have a real opportunity to make a real impact in the world in a positive way. So those are, um, that's the news around deforestation and responsible paper and wood practices. And um, it looks like WWF is having a real impact with, um, with these things, with this concept and with brands in general. So sticking with natural resources, how about this? Also on greenbiz.com, this one was reported by Sarah Murphy. How about uh, for lunch or dinner, maybe you're a sushi fan, if you're not a vegetarian, maybe you're a pescatarian, but um, a real issue is where our seafood comes from. And this uh, was reported um, not too long ago. It says, tuna giant Thai Union pledges to fish more sustainably. Have you ever gone into a restaurant? I'm asking this. And, you know, ask, where does your um, seafood come from? Um, how is it caught? There's a great app. If you don't have it, it's the um, Aquarium of the Pacific Seafood Watch app. And it's an app that um, you can use. It's, I'm sorry, the Monterey Bay Aquarium app. Download it. It's a sustainable seafood guide. I might have an outdated version. I'm not too sure. But you can have a look at the fish you're interested in purchasing. And it'll tell you which, you know, which regions it's best to source from and which species might be either on the verge of endangerment or are on the critically endangered list. So good to know where your food's coming from. 
and there's some issues obviously that you may know of with plastic in the oceans micro micro microplastics not just plastic trash but things that small tiny fish plankton um, krill etc can eat which are eaten by the bigger fish and then we eat the fish and can be a vicious cycle but this article is specifically on fishing and it says the seafood supply chain long has been fraught with challenges for sustainability minded stakeholders Global fisheries are dramatically overexploited. Many commercial fishing practices incur substantial environmental damage. A substantial portion of, of seafood on the market is captured illegally, and the labor force often endures ghastly human rights abuses. So, not sure if you've seen in the news, but even um, reports of human trafficking, human slavery, um, all to benefit the um, fishing industry. And I put that in quotes, sort of a broad term, but not pointing fingers at anybody I, I, you'd have to go sort of do the the research but those stories are out there and they're really um disturbing however it says the world's largest tuna company thai union announced major improvements in its sustainability practices that month this month an action that may spur others to follow suit as global supply chains strengthen it becomes increasingly challenging for companies even those with the best of intentions to manage the risk of labor rights violations and environmental degradation several steps removed from their from them in remote corners of the globe the imperative to design sustainable and ethical seafood chains has never been more urgent global fish production is quickly approaching it approaching its sustainable limit with about 90 percent of the world's stocks fully exploited or overfished that's a lot 90 percent and a 17 percent increase in production forecast by 2025 as more people um come onto the planet more people eat economies strengthen people want um, new foods so you get the picture it just kind of keeps rolling from there over exploitation of the planet's fish has, has more than tripled since the 70s with 40 percent of popular species such as tuna being caught unsustainably according to the un fao's most recent state of world fisheries and aquaculture report um, so it's not the best of news let's see though um, the Nature Conservancy estimated that half of the global seafood catch is the result of illegal, unreported, and unregulated fishing. Um, that's a big number. So where's the, um, where's the shining light in this story? Let's see. Um, there's been pressure for better practices. Environmental activist groups like Greenpeace have long advocated for better practices in the seafood supply chain. And in 2015, it launched a campaign to pressure Thai Union to eliminate labor abuse and environmentally harmful fishing practices from its operations and those of its suppliers. Why that company? It says that Thai Union owns many of the United States' most familiar tuna brands, including Chicken of the Sea, um, Mar Blue, and Select. The Greenpeace campaign came in response to media reports in the New York Times and the Associated Press that documented grievous human trafficking and slavery among Thai supplier, Thai Union suppliers and subsidiaries. So in the face of horrific allegations that would shock the conscience of most people, the Thai, uh, Thai Union initially offered little by way of response, according to the 2015 reports. Similarly, major Thai Union clients, including Walmart stores, declined at the time to comment on the specific allegations. But much has changed in two years, and now Thai Union has unveiled a series of initiatives in an agreement with Greenpeace that aim to protect workers, reduce destructive fishing practices, and support more sustainable fishing practices. So I really appreciate the work that Greenpeace does. 
like them or not, like their approach. You see them outside of the grocery stores, but if you don't like that approach, go check out their website. They've done some amazing pressure work in the textile space for sure with their detox campaign. They put a lot of pressure here, obviously, on the fisheries. They get a hold of these great um, topics on behalf of us as humans and really put pressure on corporations to do a better job. So this is good news to hear. You can read this article. Greenpeace, um, they have uh, its tuna guide. You can go check that out where it identifies the practice, the best practices behind major tuna brands. Whole Foods' uh, 365 brand, for instance, receives a high marks from uh, from Greenpeace. So you can uh, use the Santa Mon- I'm sorry, the uh, Monterey Bay Aquarium Fish Guide. You can um, go to the Greenpeace site and look at the tuna shopping guide and see how your can can stack up. But it calls Wild Planet Albacore Wild Tuna the number one rated, um, number one America American tuna. Whole Foods is rated high, so come check this out. There's always a good there are good apps and good resources to check in with before you make your purchases on most products. Speaking of big brands, also in the news on CSR Wire, Fruit of the Loom has joined the Sustainability Consortium. So switching topics now from tuna to t-shirts. This is just a press announcement here, though, that uh, Fruit of the Loom has recently joined the Sustainability Consortium, which is the TSC, as part of its ongoing commitment to corporate, social, and environmental sustainability. The TSC is a global nonprofit organization working to transform the consumer goods industry so that the mainstream consumer goods bought each day, like Fruit of the Loom products, are more sustainable. So um, this doesn't show a lot of action. I kind of did a little quick read through this, but this does say that they are thrilled. Um, let's see, the TSC is thrilled to have Fruit of the Loom and welcome them to the um, textile sector space with, where they will join other TSC members to improve the environmental, social, and economic performance of the textile value chain. Um, Fruit of the Loom says that they are committed to conducting business in a socially responsible fashion. The tools available to TSC members will be an invaluable asset as we work toward making products that are not only better for consumers, but also better for the environment. We're proud to be a member of TSC and look forward to learning more from this valuable partnership. So I haven't, I haven't you know, looked too much into Fruit of the Loom's sustainability program. I haven't heard much about it. So this might be a new step for them, which is good, and we can applaud them for that. So let's hope good things come from this, um, from them joining this con- um, industry consortium. Speaking of brands, um, still um, Clean Canteen and Subaru are partnering. They've launched a multi-year partnership with, sh- with a shared sustainability goal. I found this on 3BL Media. Clean Canteen, as you know, is one of the premier um, and, and earliest sort of water vessel um, companies out there making reusable water containers, drinking cups, etc. Says they're proud to announce a new multi-year brand partnership with Subaru of America that will roll out in July this uh, this summer, which it already did. As long-standing supporters of environmental responsibility and sustainability, Subaru, America's first zero landfill automaker, and Clean Canteen, the first stainless steel reusable water bottle manufacturer will leverage their passion for producing durable, long-lasting products and their knowledge of doing so with the least impact possible on the environment. With a strong love of nature playing an integral role in each of the company's roots, Clean Canteen and Subaru continue their history of partnering with organizations and nonprofits such as Leave No Trace, 
that share their core values and align with Subaru's environmentally focused platform, Subaru, which is Subaru Loves the Earth. Through these successful endeavors, Clean Canteen and Subaru encourage responsible recreation and exploration of Earth's natural wonders. The two companies have committed their ongoing support of the National Park Service's Zero Landfill Initiatives at Yosemite, Denali, and Grand Teton National Parks in an effort to significantly reduce waste going into landfills. What I like, um, there's a quote here that says, At Clean, we're proud to be family-owned, a B Corp, and a 1% for the Planet member. And if you remember, um, go back a few episodes, I did a little talk on um, B Corps, Benefit Corps, um, Certified B Corps, so you can learn more about what that means. But also as a 1% for the Planet member, that get, means that Clean Canteen gives 1% of all of their sales to um, organizations that are uh, nonprofit organizations that are focused on the environment. So this was from, the, from Jim Osgood, President and CEO of Clean Canteen. He says, we run our business differently than most and are committed to a triple bottom line. The triple bottom line, as you may or may not know, is people, planet, profit. So um, not only are we just looking at profit, but we're looking at that as a bottom line item, but we're also looking at people, how they are impacted, and how the planet is impacted. For us, the partnerships we keep are incredibly important, he says. Subaru, on the uh, on addition to that, to top that off, says Subaru strongly believes in cherishing and protecting the environment so that generations to come can enjoy all of Earth's natural wonders. We're thrilled to team up with Clean Canteen to support our shared mission. This was from their president and chief operating officer. As part of the partnership, Clean Canteen will continue to support Subaru-sponsored events throughout the U.S. for the next two years through infrastructure, water stations, custom product, and on-site education. So get out there. Make sure you've got a reusable bottle. Make sure that you're taking it with you wherever you go. Ditch the plastic, single-use plastic water bottle. Save it for emergencies. Um, but these guys are doing some great work to remind people um, that we can consume better, uh, behave better as consumers, and that it takes um, that you know when two companies come together, they can do some really great things with mess messaging. They've got some images here on this website of their water filling stations, which I love when you go to an event, and they've got really nice places for you to refill your water bottles or your cups or your mugs. So good job to Clean Canteen, great job to Subaru. Um, how about this? This is something you probably use if um, often. If you are like me, you're a coffee drinker. And I, I don't use pods very often, but um, I have and I will. And actually, we're using on the coffee pods the ones that you can kind of dismantle really easily and recycle all the bits. But this on the 3BL Media website um, is Driving Innovation in Coffee Capsule Recycling. So this is Nespresso who continues to um, pioneer their recycling, it says, for more than 25 years. As a company that relies on aluminum to protect the freshness and aromas of its highest quality coffee, Nespresso recognizes the need for a responsible approach to the use of aluminum and its obligation to preserve natural resources. And before I go on, I will say that the, um, the pods that we've been using are nice because you can peel all of them apart. I put the coffee grinds, it has a little mesh net, um, put those into the compost, pull the plastic off, put the plastic in the plastic recycling, and the little sort of it's a metal um, top, you know, sort of cover that has a plastic film that just goes to the landfill, but it's a very small amount that goes to the landfill. It says Nespresso has been investing in its dedicated collection and recycling schemes since 1991. So that is uh, nice to know when it launched its first recycling initiative in Switzerland. 
In the 25 years since then, Nespresso has continued to take an active stance in developing innovative solutions that are tailored to making recycling as easy and convenient as possible for its customers. At the end of 2015, Nespresso reached a capsule collection capacity of over 86% in 39 countries and aims to increase this capacity to 100%. So, wow. Do you send your Nespresso um, pods back? How does that work? I'm not aware of it, so if you know, leave me a note. Nespresso capsules are made from aluminum, a material that is infinitely recyclable, which is true. Um, I do know that aluminum is one of the most efficiently recycled materials. The technical properties and composition of the lightweight, versatile metal means it can be recycled again and again. Nespresso capsules are recycled into soda cans, bicycles, computers, and even into new capsules. Um, that's closed loop, right? So if you're taking a recycled aluminum, using it in capsules, finishing the capsules, recycling them, putting them back into capsules and doing that over and over, that's called closing the loop. You've got a circular economy, circular system going on, and that's great. The coffee from Nespresso Grand, si Grand Cruz is also given a second life. Used grounds are separated from the aluminum and are transformed into biogas, biofuel, or a nutrient-rich compost. This would be something um, interesting to learn more about and see. It says, since consumer participation is essential to making recycling a, su a success, Nespresso is committed to making it as easy and convenient as possible for consumers to recycle their Grand Crew capsules. In many countries, the established collective recycling schemes are ill-equipped to separate lightweight aluminum from other packaging for revalorization. Sorry, but I hadn't seen that word before. Typically, small metal items are separated from mixed recyclables, recyclable materials and are sent to landfill for incineration. So, um, there's an app that you can get, the Nespresso app for Apple, Android, BlackBerry, and Kindle helps club members to find the closest collection point to reuse your capsules, which is good. A network of hundreds of thousands of capsule collection points allow customers to return capsules to Nespresso boutiques, recycle at home doorstep collection by courier companies and postal services, available in 15 countries. Um, they've, got, they've extended their reach to rural areas in Australia, especially for example. So nice work, Nespresso. I'll have to dive in. I don't have a Nespresso machine myself, but I know a lot of people enjoy the pod um, coffee. So if you're a pod user, make sure you're recycling your pod or buying pods that can be easily dismantled. And um, let's not send everything to landfill and let's not become a single use society. All right, so we're at the 26 minute mark. I'm gonna end there, keep these short for you just so you can get on with your day. But that's what's going on in the news, at least a few of the things that are on the news. I've got a few more things on my list. So check back, always got some fun stories. Um, we either do a daily update like this where it's kind of a daily news show or we dive in and look at specific topics to keep you informed and to really help support your sustainability journey. But until then, have a great day. Keep it green. Enjoy sustainability. Don't take it too seriously. And uh, check back soon for more on the Underswell Radio Show.